and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week we're going to talk about episodes three and four in mini, of the miniseries. Of the miniseries. Of the miniseries. The Outsider from 2020. Uh, before we get to Dark Uncle, a deeply creepy episode title, and not not uncreepy episode... Uh, how was your week? My week was actually very nice, and I enjoyed my weekend. I, I had the extra day for Memorial Day, and um, I had all sorts of plans for that day, and I spent them all just sort of not doing anything, which is probably the best plan of all. That's not true. You write it. You told me you I wrote. did, but I mean, in terms of all the housework that I wanted to do, I didn't do Ooh, any of it. Oh, that's not what, from, what Memorial Day is for. No. It's for buying a new mattress. No, it is not. You and all know I know that it is right. not. <laughs> uh, yes. Good. I'm glad to hear it. What about your week? It was good. Uh, I am coming off the tail end of a long weekend away. Uh, I drove for many hours today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I am quite tired. I bet you are. But I think we are going to be able to get through this. I'm excited to talk about these episodes, and I'm excited to watch the next episode. So, yeah. Um, so, you want to get into, sure. into the show? Into the show? Absolutely. Uh, we hope everyone else had a healthy Memorial Day weekend. Yes. Yes, that is what I hope. We went, I went to, I ate inside a restaurant for the first time in oh over a year. Uh, like a real, like inside, mm-hmm. inside. Like last time I, I visited, um, we went and ate. We were in technically in the place, mm-hmm. but right behind us was basically a garage door that was open. Okay. So we weren't inside of a closed place. I went to Red Robin yesterday. So yum. Was it, <laughs> was it exciting? <laughs> was it everything that you'd hoped for? I mean, it was It was good. It was nice. They had, um, we were in a booth and they were only servicing every other booth. Mm-hmm. So there was plenty of space. Oh, that's good. Which I thought was nice. But we were seated, seated next to an, a table, mm-hmm. round table, with a tablecloth and a rose on it. And um, it looked like it was set up for one. Mm-hmm. Uh, with then there was like a what looked like a menu in a like in a frame, right. and I was like, it felt like a memorial to me. Um, and then of course we asked, and it was in fact for the fallen service. Members. Oh, that's lovely. And I was like, wow, that's really nice, Red Robin. Jeez, right. but also like. Morbid, but also, like, nice. No, no, I imagine that there was lots of empty spaces at tables for a very long time. Yes. So, yeah. um, so the, the waitress was like, so they are dining with us. And I was like, well, that's nice. Yeah. Um, but, and I'd never seen anything like mm-hmm. that, which I feel like I would have seen something like that at some point. But maybe I just don't go out on Memorial Day. Well, I don't know a, that I've ever... There might be all sorts of really sweet observations that... We don't get to see it because we're we stay home. Homebody. Yes. To go, please. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that was nice. That's good. Uh, I love, that's nice to know. And uh, in board games, Red Robin and board games. Woo, woo. Oh, um, there was a cable channel that had a Godzilla marathon. 
Yeah, so. that's why you didn't get anything done this weekend. That's part of the reason why. <laughs> How, is like, our DVR full? Um, there's three movies currently in our DVR. Nice. Ones that I don't own and that I can't get through. Well, um, then that is what the DVR is. That's literally yeah. all the DVR is for now. Right. Just getting stuff you can't get digitally and then holding on to it forever. Right. So... I do know how to offload stuff onto a hard drive. I just don't know how to then access it on the hard drive and get it back. So That's an important step. It's, it is. So if anybody can help me with that, maybe reach out. Ooh, the pigeon is back. Yes. <laughs> All right. You want to get into this episode? Okay. Dark Uncle, which... And it, it, it mm-hmm. proves my theory about Jack Hoskins, which well, is that uh, he's a bully... He's and the minute that he's beaten up by somebody stronger than him, he just immediately acquiesces. Well, and that was what I thought. I, was. I don't, I don't know if that's fair, but let's right. let's hold up for a second. Let's start with um, the episode aired originally on January nineteenth, twenty twenty. Uh, written by Richard Price. This one is directed not by Jason Bateman because he is. He's maybe he officially actually, done yeah. with the, the series. Yes, he only directed the first two episodes. So this one is directed by Andrew Bernstein. Not to be confused with Andrew Bernstein. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, and he... Oh, wow. He directs a lot of TV... He's the son of Walter Bernstein, an Academy Award-nominated director, no, screenwriter, but I don't know for what. Anyways, Mm. he he works in television quite a bit. Um, AD, Little Big League, 12 Monkeys, Eraser, Batman and Robin, and then has directed House, Mad Men, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, The West Wing, ER, Criminal Mind, Suspect Behavior. Mercy, Psych, Covert Affairs, The Americans, Elementary, uh, The Get Down, Ozark, so he knows Jason Bateman from that, uh, and some Fear the Walking Dead. So, that's pretty cool. So that's who directed this episode. And this episode is... we. Less plot happens in mm-hmm. these two episodes, I, I think. Um, we, we had a lot of plot dump in the first right. two episodes. Like, this is what has happened. We don't know who or what or why. Or right. who or why. We know the what and the when. But we don't know the who or the why. <laughs> or the how, really. We know some of the how, but not all of the how. So... In this episode, yeah, we start with Jack Hoskins, who mm-hmm. is pissed off because he's... So, Eunice is out at the barn with the Georgia Bureau, the barn where they found Terry Maitland's cast-off clothes, and right. some goo that isn't semen but isn't non-biological. So, Ectoplasm. Ick. Yes, something along those lines. And uh, we see... Tamika mm-hmm. coming in and it letting everybody know how how it's going with her, grabbing some things from her desk before going off uh, back to her 
maternity leave because she just had a baby and also was shot in the leg. So she can't work. And Jack is there pissing and moaning. Well, first of all, he says he didn't hear her because he's been working on a thing. Oh, no, that's later. That's later after he's had his incident. Uh, To begin with, we just see him pissing and moaning that he's going to go out to the to this farm and it's an hour away and by the time he gets there it's going to be dark and it's going to be picked over and nothing's going to be left and meh 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 and then the next time we see him he is at the strip club (laughs) clearly in a hurry to get to the crime scene bad at his job no wonder he only has 10 days of vacation and then finally we see him go back out further and he goes to the barn and he is the only one there so, of course, what's the first thing that he does? He pisses at the crime scene. Because why wouldn't you just put your own biological material everywhere? God damn it. Here's the thing. I know that they all have all of their bio materials mm-hmm. on on record so that when stuff is found, they are basically removed from the list of suspects. suspects yeah. Doesn't that make being a cop the perfect thing to be if you're going to want to, I don't know, kill a bunch of people and leave your, you know, your human detritus at the scene? That's my always my first thought, but I stopped trusting cops a a while ago, and I was down to like 3 or 4%, and I'm officially at a zero, (laughs) so... Um, so he's there, and he goes into the barn after, you know, pissing outside. And uh, he is attacked mm-hmm. by an unseen apparition. That's that's basically what we can see. I will say, here's how it says. Uh, this is a quote from the book. The, okay. There was someone behind him, and this was no illusion. He could see the shadow, long and thin. And was that breathing? Uh, That's when, that's on page 250 or so of the novel. Mm -hmm. And it is the first inkling in the book that something supernatural is going on now i think visually we've been getting hints that some weirds up mm-hmm. before in the first two episodes and i think they do that largely so that when something weird happens you don't just go oh well i was watching a crime thriller right. and i'm not interested in this which i mean i guess is a thing that could happen i don't understand people who watch stories like that Although I've certainly started a thing and been like, oh, this isn't, I'm not in the mood for this. This isn't what I thought. But a whole series, especially based on a Stephen King thing, I would would presume something weird might happen. Even in Mr. Mercedes, ostensibly a police procedural. Yeah, there's a supernatural element. There's a supernatural element, yeah. Um, In the second series, I don't think there's really much of one in the first um, the no, only that's true. Super element is our patience at watching more of Mr. Mercedes. Uh, I want to watch the last season. I would love oh, to see how they wrap happen. things up. And uh, yeah, we're gonna keep trying. Mm-hmm. We're gonna keep trying. So, so Jack is attacked. Uh, when we see him through the rest of this episode, he is 
in a lot of pain. Mm. He is pleading with unseen forces. Right. And he has red welts on the back of his neck. And they're looking like they're becoming infected or something. It's they do. Nasty. They The makeup job is well done. It mm. Yeah, it looks blistered and bad. But it looks very natural. It doesn't look sort of overdone or artificial. That no, way. they it did a nice like job with the makeup, for a, sure. A yeah. um, there's some jail footage. Mm-hmm. We see, we start seeing a, a, a young black man in a prison, mm-hmm. um, and we're not sure why. We don't get his full right. thing until, I believe, the next episode. Is that? That's right. We're kind of going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, with him, we see him see a new, like, put eyes on a new prisoner coming in. We see him, we see one of the prisoners pull a shiv out of a leg pocket. Y'all, y'all. Yeah, that was a little excruciating. I mean that, like, like women's pants the world over, mm-hmm. when you want a pocket, I guess you just have to create one yourself. Cut one into your flesh. And he cuts one into his flesh. And then we see the young black man... Uh, pop hit the lens out of his glasses and he's sharpening it into like a a teardrop shaped blade mm-hmm. on his bunk. And we don't know where this is headed. But nowhere good, yo. If you have a shiv in a meat pocket, uh your story doesn't end well, I'm pretty sure. Or somebody's story doesn't end well. Yeah, it might not be you, but it's not good for somebody. Yeah. And Ralph is playing, or like thinking about the shooting, thinking about the clo- the the clothes from the barn, including the that big belt buckle that mm-hmm. was so distinctive. Um, and we know, so we know this is Terry. It's one. It's another sort of of these. Um, like, look at me. Is that a way of drawing events. attention? Yeah, to drawing attention. Right, attention drawing. Which getting is really strange for a person who's activities. trying to be. I was trying to hide. You would think that he'd be more discreet than that. Yes. The lab results don't know what the liquid is. And then I believe in this one we also hear that the the fingerprints match Terry Maitland's. Mm-hmm. But like if he was super old. Right. So same prints, different age of person. Same person, different age of person. So... That is where we start getting some weird ideas about what this thing is. And it's you know, Ralph is still coming back to this van mm-hmm. uh, that was in presumably near, at the very least, near Terry Maitland uh, in Dayton. And so he and... Is it he and Eunice go to the attorney Howard's mm. office and uh, meet with Howard and Alec Pelly, who is the uh, the investigator. So the four of them sort of have a powwow uh, and are like, you know, I'm not sure what's, what all of this means, but it feels like unfinished. And we It feels like it's time it. for them to collaborate and try to come up with a a reason together, and like we've already yeah. discussed well, with his discussions with uh, the widow. With the widow, yes. With is to say that if your husband isn't 
wasn't the killer, then somebody else is. That person is still is. at large. And the only way that you're really going to get clearance on your husband's name and be is. able to live a life is finding who else did it. Right. Um, and so Alec Pelly says that he knows somebody who's excellent. No, nobody's better at tracking, mm-hmm. tracking, um, where like tracking steps, right. backtracking people's um, travels and things. And so he calls Holly Gibney, who in this once again is played by Cynthia Revo. Uh, he's well talking on the phone. Um, she's interested in the job. She's in Chicago, um, and tells him that she is a aviophobe. She's aviophobic mm-hmm. and won't be flying down. And so, then she goes into a bar and tells a that's almost empty and tells the dude that he's in her seat. And um, when he's like, you know, you could sit anywhere, and she goes, actually. You could sit anywhere and it wouldn't bother you. I can't. And right. he gets up and moves. And I was like, well, that's, that feels right. Like, it's clear, once again, Holly is um, most likely on the autistic spectrum. Mm-hmm. She, um, you know, we're not doctors and Stephen King didn't diagnose her, but he definitely alludes to it and right. I maybe even says it explicitly, but not as in a diagnostic way, but she, um, we see her having worked on a thing and then she it sits down and starts drinking. And then we see her meeting with Ralph and is it Ralph and Alec that go to meet her? So I guess they drive up. Mm-hmm. All y'all, California, living in California your whole life will really distort time and space for you. I drove for five hours today from basically what we refer to as the central coast of California to the center of California, and I never left California. And I have a feeling that these guys don't drive for that long and go through like 16 states. I I think that... Also, I'm bad at geography. There's a a kind of perception here anyhow. Uh, Probably we share it with Texas and some other very large states about how far you can travel, whereas travel in uh, five or six hours. Right. Whereas in other places, you can go through Rhode Island and Connecticut and all the other states. Right. So if they're at the upper, uh-huh. if they're at the top of Georgia, they could go through Tennessee and Kentucky and the bottom of Indiana in fairly short order. But Illinois is pretty long. Like, it's mm-hmm. a ways to go. But maybe they flew. We don't know. Yeah. We actually don't know. And I, the, the meeting with Holly, it's interesting watching the, the difference between... Um, Holly in this program and Holly in Mr. Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holly here seems to be, and well, there's the most obvious difference. It's a black actress. Well, yes. And there's that's worked into Ooh, her. And I will say one thing about Cynthia Revo in this uh-huh. particular thing is she's always got a good accent, but mm-hmm. man, she's like it's und- her her Britishness yeah. is undetectable in this. She uh she's playing and that element is actually addressed in her character. Um in that her father I can't remember which island he was from yes. originally. I think she just says the islands. But and 
Yeah. And it discusses how her father was also a teacher and how he worked in a small, sort of poor, white, rural community. Yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, so that's made into her story, but more here than Holly in Mr. Mercedes, mm-hmm. she's given almost like a superpower in that... Yes, she has... She, um, she's got a, clearly got an, uh, something along the lines of an eidetic memory. Mm-hmm. Um, she also is... She has various savant mm-hmm. uh, qualities. Right. So they're speaking, and as she's reviewing the case, she brings up the idea of a doppelganger. Mm-hmm. And... Um, talks about the sort of fact that basically in every mythology, world over, this is a fixture. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is paired with um, the boogeyman, uh, a a boogeyman type um, figure. And Ralph, you know, I love Ben Mendelsohn and Cynthia Erivo could be in every... Like, Watching they could be them interact so with each good. other. And she's playing it... Um, I forget just now the name of the other actress who played Holly slips in my mind. Um, who's very good. But Justine she, something? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm Go not, ahead. What were you, you going to say and I'll look it up. Well, she plays her with a, a, a maximum of ticks and fidgets that don't feel out of place. She's also significantly younger than right. this Holly. So she, I would yes. I would say this Holly is a good 10 years on from but our Mr. Mercedes. In comparing the performance whereas one performer went with doing the little things that you can see mental calculations she's making and, and she was really good at you're reading it on her face and yes. she's doing these things. Cynthia Rivo's version is very still and seems to be like at a, a at a a point of emotional anxiety all the time. Yeah. She seems to be continuously stressed. And her only relief from this is when we later on see her on the job. And so it was an interesting direction for the performance, and you could really see, as you said, that this is an aging process for this character. Right. We've caught her at a different part in her life. She's able to be more forward with something. She discovered she really likes to drink. She but is a drinker. She can put stuff uh, away, which yeah. I th- find to be really Just kind of funny. Just loop or loop right. Who I really like, and I really like Cynthia Rebo too. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's and a continuity so, with this person. So Ben Mendelssohn, you know, looks at her and just says, I have no I have no space mm-hmm. for the unexplainable, I think is mm-hmm. what 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 he says. And she just she clo- I think she just closes the file and she's like well, then you'll have no space for me. And she explains her the version of Holly that we're getting here. Mm-hmm. And it is different than the version of Holly right. that we had gotten previously. That's fine with me. Character continuity mm-hmm. is not that important in, in a case like this. Right. So we're going to flesh out her background. She can look at a building and tell you how tall it is. But she doesn't know how tall she is. Right. She, but, oh, she can look at a building and tell you how tall it is. What were the other things that she says? And, and because at the oh, she can tell you any, uh, what game or what the score was for any baseball right. game and ever she does played. It. Yeah, um, and and the pitches and like she can she can recite to you every baseball game ever played. Mm. There's a, there's like three or four things that she lists, and then she goes, 
but I can't go to the top of a skyscraper because I'm afraid of heights. Mm -hmm. I don't like baseball. Oh, music. She knows all the charts. Right. Uh, forever, for as long as they've been charting. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like music. Right. She, she catalogs these things without passion for the things themselves, which right. is what typically the people who can tell you every, yes. you know... A baseball fan who knows right. all the stats will go on and on and on about Right, baseball. but they, they have a love for, for the right. thing itself. She does she not no care about it. That's not what... She has no attachment for it. She is a cataloger of things and also just an intuitive... Like, within inches, she can tell you how tall a building mm -hmm. is. Within five feet, I think, is what she said, any building. Yeah, yeah. And... um and later we see her sort of showing off that little talent in a very little cute scene in the next episode. But, and she says, you know, when I was, I think maybe 11, mm -hmm. or it was six or 11, and now I'm, I'm not sure how young she was. The, the young actress that we see in the flashback seems older than, mm -hmm. but I have stopped being able to tell how old anyone is <laughs> under the age of adult. <laughs> um, so, had her tested. Um, and th what the doctors came back with, with was, fuck if we know. Right. And um, you know, she kind of gets to the end of her story and it's like, you know, I think they were scared and they wanted to cure me. And he says, they your parents let them do all that to you. Mm -hmm. Like, that was his takeaway. Your parents allowed this, especially after he had a child, of course. Yes. She doesn't know this, but he had a child that, of course, had to be poked and prodded and treated medically mm -hmm. to no avail, unfortunately, right. but had to watch all of that. This wasn't a medical condition. And so that's what he says. He, they, you know, Your parents allowed them to do this to you. And she says... I think that they were scared. Right. Um, and wanted to, I don't know, fix me or something like that, and or cure me. And he said, cure you of you being you? Right. Like, he understands... They get a sympathy right there in that scene together because he, under, he, he gets it. Like, the way that he right. interacts with her... And then she just gets up and leaves. Oh, uh -huh. she gets up, she goes to walk away, and she comes back and she says to him, uh -huh. drinking, you don't enjoy drinking, but you drank to make me comfortable, and I, and I thank you, I think is what she says, right. something like that. And she, walks, and she walks away, and now they're going to work together. Like right. they, They've vetted each other. They know where they stand. And that deep compassion that he feels for her mm -hmm. rather than go you know asking her about her abilities right. looking at her like she's a freak any of that what he hears is you were a scared kid and these doctors right you know tested the hell out of you to cure like to for what like that's just who you are this mm -hmm. isn't there's nothing wrong with you right and and he puts that in front of, and that comes before, because instantly I think she presumed he was going to be pushing back at anything that she had to say, because she goes where the evidence takes her, even if it's 
Well, it's the same character, so she's used or, to build right. too. So. That's true. Right. And, but I think that 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 yeah that like deep human connection that they have. That might have been one of the deepest human connections she's had with somebody mm-hmm. in a very long time. Right. Maybe since Bill. Because we see that she's alone, essentially. Yeah. She just, she right. travels and does these cases um, freelance wherever they take her. They bang out, you know, a fee agreement or whatever. And uh, she, you know, I think at different points asks who the point per- person mm-hmm. is. So she will just call and, you know, sort of offload a bunch of information. Right. Uh, we see her, she goes to the parking lot where we know the van was with the, the Happy Pig mm-hmm. por- barbecue restaurant. And uh, the she's staring up at the security camera when the security dude comes. He's the head of the security. And uh, used to be a cop. We learn a lot about him right off mm. the bat, man. He's uh, he's just offloading a lot of info because he's real into Holly. Basil Expedition. She oh, asks. Excuse me. Basil Exposition. Yes. So they she finds out that they you know wipe the tapes like every four days, mm. which she's like, yeah, that's pretty much what I thought because she's right. a PI and she's been doing this for a while. She trades um cards with the security, uh, the head of security. Former police officer, real into Holly. I might have mentioned it. Uh, and uh, she goes and continues looking. She goes to Terry Maitland's father's facility. Mm-hmm. She doesn't presume that she'll be able to speak with him. There's HIPAA violations and mm-hmm. things like that. She's hoping that there'll be some information. And she is shut down and escorted out of by security after the uh, woman at the front desk. Uh, thinks that she's a reporter and won't believe that she's not a reporter. And she says, you know, people keep bothering that poor man. I won't let you come back until you see, or uh, unless you have, you know, you come back with his son. Mm -hmm. Like, we need need his son to sign off on it. Which means that they don't know that Terry is dead. Which means whatever these reporters wanted from Terry's dad... Had nothing to do with Had Terry. nothing to do with Terry. So what do the reporters want to do with this old man with dementia in Dayton? And so she's going on a dive, and she finds that uh, a, a, a... I believe he's a nurse, male nurse. Mm-hmm. We'll remember there was a male nurse mentioned previously. Has been... Uh, charged with, indicted for, it's unclear where in the process it is for the murder of two young girls. And that male nurse was Terry's father's like nurse. And what she also discovers is that there is, well, uh, no, you know what? That's out of order here. Yeah. You go ahead. Because it's very tricky here because we're following her in her investigation. And simultaneously, yes. we're going back to... And we uh, see this young black man mm, in prison. Right. S- like, getting his stuff in order. Like, like saying, you know, yes. shaping this blade. We don't know what his deal is. And then we're also seeing... 
we see Jack rubbing his neck and saying, "What it? Whatever you need, mm-hmm. whatever you need, whatever you need," which is an upsetting. That's all upsetting as well. And then we see the man who had pulled the shiv out of his leg. We see the lock on the on the young man on the the, the black man, the mm-hmm. young black man that who is is our nurse. We see his his cell door be opened and another cell door be opened by yeah. a passing guard as they're just allowed to. And so he gets up and and pulls out the 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 lens and backs up against the wall. And a big white dude, probably Aryan Brotherhood, mm-hmm. that's how prisons work, uh, comes in, and this guy says, "You're not, um, you can't something. You can't have it, or I won't let you, or something like that." And the guy's like, oh, this is hap- like this mm-hmm. is happening. And he takes a step forward, at which point he, um, the young man pulls out his glasses and slits his own throat. Right. C- pulls out the lens, cuts his own throat. And we see him sort of sink down the thing while the, pris- the other prisoner who was ostensibly there to kill him sort of just looks on in horror. Right. He wasn't expecting that. Right. And... That is basic. That's where that ends. Mm-hmm. That's where the episode ends. Holly's tracing down, and we get an inkling of who this young man might be. We see a picture of him, um, and but we have seen his prison episode play out without really having any idea what's going on. Right. Um, so we were kept in the dark and informed of those details as Holly became aware of them. Yeah. There's the one plot point that you're going to mention, I guess, yes. in this episode. What's what's that? Which is Glory and passing a message on Darrell. Oh, that's right. Yes. Jessa continues to see the strange man in her room, and this time he has a message for Ralph. And that is to... So, so yeah, so there's a scene where Ralph and Howard, mm-hmm. the attorney, go to Glory Maitland's house. Um, and... They're all sitting in the living room, and and Glory basically has told Ralph outside, you need to reassure my daughter. Just do that. That's mm-hmm. what you're here to do. And so Jessa says, the, Jessa's the youngest daughter who's been, like, sleepwalking, says that um, uh, the, the man, the hooded man has a, has a message for you, and that message is to... Ralph asks the next question, which is, mm-hmm. you know, who who was he or, you know, did he say anything else or whatever it was. And Glory, like, shuts it down. It's like, you got to go. And I'm trying to remember what Mayor Winningham's name is because she's there as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, And she's like, can you, you know, here's the thing. When... Our son was scared, and we told of something that wasn't there, and we told him that um, there was nothing there. Right. It didn't do anything. It, but when we listened to him, then he just realized that it wasn't real, and like right. let him talk yeah. it out, and and he realized it wasn't there, and then his mind was put at rest. So can you let Ralph have another chance? And Gloria's like, no, but you can. And so they're talking, and. There's this, she says she's seen him four times. The first time he looked like daddy. The second Mm -hmm. time he looked not like daddy, but like wrong. Mm -hmm. And then 
he does he now he doesn't look like yeah. daddy and he's getting more muscular. That's what we know about him. Right. And Ralph tries to sort of reassure her in the um in like, look, tell you know, I don't think he'll come back because you've given me the message. Mm-hmm. But you know, he tell him if he has a message for me, he can come to me. And she's right. like, You don't want that. No. <laughs> you well, don't no want part that. Of that's right. Yeah. I think that's that's where we leave it. Um, we know that some Jessa believes that some being who looked like her father but then stopped like looking like her father, but was always the same she knows it's the same person. Right. I use that but term very loosely. But it is changing undergoing the way a that transformation. It yeah. Uh and then we go into season or episode four. Say what it's called. Que viene el coco. El coco. El coco. El coco. Not a coconut. No, different. Mm-mm. I do like coconuts, but this is about This something. is not something you would like. Yes. We open with the young man who we just saw slit his own throat mm-hmm. talking to a woman. They're on a date. They're eating eggs. And pancakes. It's a breakfast. Date. It seems like a successful date, too. Seems like. Later, we find Little out that they have sex, know. but we don't see that right at the beginning. And then we find out that it's not even next. Well, we don't have to. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, Holly is tracking down the young man who was accused of murdering these two young girls. Mm-hmm. And she follows the 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 nurse who was at the front desk who kicked her out to her house um unstealthily because uh that nurse whose name is Angela turns around and pepper sprays her uh and then Holly's like I'm a I'm a private investigator also I think I'm going to I'm going blind right. <laughs> like please help me physical and violence is they, not in Holly's playbook at all no um but also you know Pepper spray is no joke. So she's like, stop rubbing your eyes. It makes it worse. And Angela takes her. She's like, okay, well, if you're not a reporter, then fine. She takes her to her apartment and they talk. And what they talk about is that she'd worked with Heath, who is the the nurse that was the the accused murderer, uh, for 10 years. And he was supposed to be out of town that week that you know, gone that week mm-hmm. visiting his mother when those girls were killed. But I saw him the next day at work. He didn't say anything to me. He was supposed to be off. He was off that week, but he right. came in. He says, she says he, he, she just assumed that he came to check on his peeps, which is what he called his people. I was like, well, that's very original. Keith. Not Keith. Keith, hmm. like the toffee bar. It's uh, a name you don't hear much anymore. Right. And that is the person who bumped into Terry that day and cut his wrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also know that Heath's mother is adamant that she was he was with her the whole week. He didn't he couldn't have committed this murder right. because he was with her. This is now a very familiar story. Right. And we do see that after We've they've everybody finds out that he has killed himself in prison, mm-hmm. and she goes outside, gets in her car, and drives at a very high speed down the straightest road she can find until that road 
allows her something to veer into, at which point she does. Yes. And she kills herself. And... She also, Holly, so Holly's getting all this information and she calls Ralph to let him know what's going on. Um, saying, you know, they crossed paths on the 6th of March. The girls were killed on the 5th of March. Um, and Ralph calls back, uh, calls Eunice and gets CCTV, uh, footage as he's sorting to um, sorting through everything, he notices a handshake between the bouncer guy, mm. who we've seen a couple of times at the at the club, right. and Terry, and thinks he might have Terry might have scratched the bouncer. Right. And so he goes to confront him and says, "Was that a scratch?" And the guy's like, "I don't know, was it?" So we don't know. Now we're like, "So there's a possibility that are the you same a way. thing? Are you right. a are you a are you a body snatch? Are you the coco?" Are you snatched? Has your body been snatched? Um, or has the Hoskins' body been snatched? Mm-hmm. Or is he more like a what's the what's the Dracula um, familiar person like the like Igor. oh right like Renfield yeah so Renfield mm-hmm. yeah uh, like or a, Straker like a fetch who was right. the um, God, who was the, the vampire assistant for Barlow in Salem's Lot, right? Oh, yeah. What was... Yeah. I Not Stryker, Barlow. Right. I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Striker. Mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about the dude from... Um, oh, the Guillermo del Toro uh, vampire series. Strain. Oh, right. I thought his name was Striker, too, but maybe not. I can't remember. That was an enjoyable series. Oh. It was, but the the Nazi dude, mm-hmm. right? So yes. he's like not quite, but kind like he's just a pet, right? Who thinks his his there's one I think even in the um what we do in the shadows because uh-huh. they need somebody to go get their groceries and shit, right? right? Like they can't go mm-hmm. outside. So oh, so Holly's getting the runaround. She's trying to learn more about these murders and this mm-hmm. um this nurse who you know Angela has now kind of opened up to Holly and it's just like I mean you they all you always hear people say I never knew but it doesn't line up with what I know about him and his mom says he was there with her but I saw him right so you know I have to believe that he did this thing and his prints were everywhere. His, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's a similar situation with Terry Maitland. There's no, like forensically, he killed them, <laughs> or he killed these these. The these evidence two girls. suggests that, but yeah. it's against the evidence of her own memories. And but she does reach out. She also reaches out to Andy Ketcavage, that is the security um, mm-hmm. guard, but he was also, as we said before, a former detective. Mm-hmm. And she reaches out because she can't get records, but thinks he might be able to. Right. And he basically is like, I mean, I've got some people I could talk to, but uh, basically only if you go to dinner with me. I mean, not only. He doesn't coerce her. No. And as soon as he says it, he's afraid that he, like, overstepped. Right. 
Um, and he's like, just so that we have, you know, we can go over what I find out or whatever. Like he's he's not aggressive in mm-hmm. really any way. He but he is deeply interested. <laughs> so, and she's like, no, dinner's okay. So yeah. we'll do that. So he's off to to mine his uh, contacts for information. And Holly has a chat with the bartender who talks about uh, some sort of, like, she hopes some sort of bug isn't spreading. Mm-hmm. At which point, that not niggles in Holly's brain a little bit. Um, well, she, Holly explains part of what the crime is to her. Yeah. And she addresses it like a disease. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. mur- uh, you know, being a murderer isn't contagious, I right. think, is... And but then then they turn into a, but what if what if what it if is? it is right what if it that was? seems to be um, if you eliminate the impossible whatever remains however improbable must be the truth yes right she, they're having that moment she's right? Sherlocking so, for sure right if you have taken away everything else it could possibly be yeah and there's something that makes absolutely no sense but it's the only real conclusion yeah. then that's what you have to go with. And then she asks Angela if he had been anywhere recently. And at the beginning of February, mm-hmm. he'd been to New York. And he said that he fell in love. Mm-hmm. That, he, that he, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. And <clears throat> that she, and, and Angela said, he sent me a postcard, right? So she takes a picture mm-hmm. of the postcard. And then she heads home and looks up crime reports until she finds a woman named Maria who's mm-hmm. at Rikers Island awaiting, awaiting trial. And she goes to Rikers. And I'm not quite sure how she gets there. Rikers Island is in New York. She's been in Dayton, Ohio. And she doesn't fly, but she is available to go to Rikers like the afternoon she tells Ralph about it. And I'm yeah. like, I don't understand. I don't understand how she's going to get there by this afternoon. So that was a little... They're doing some weird things with time because we've been told she won't fly. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how else well she could have gotten to New York from Ohio mm-hmm. in, by this afternoon or whatever it was, right? So I don't know what I don't know what's I don't know what's up with that. Meanwhile, we're seeing a lot of scenes with Jack, who is his neck is getting worse, his muttering is getting worse. Mm-hmm. He's like. Totally zoned out on the job. That's where Tamika comes in. It's like, you didn't say anything. Right. Like, you didn't even look my way. I've been yelling at the top of my lungs. You didn't even look my way. I'm just working on this report. And she looks at a screen and it's blank. And he's like, yeah, I'm trying to fill it in. <laughs> or whatever. Like, it's real. It's real hinky. We also get a nice call um, as Holly's. I, this might have been in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Holly calls Ralph and is like giving her an update, and he's like, "She's like, well, I'm not done. Like, I'm not giving up. But sometimes it's just nice to hear somebody who's on my somebody's voice who's on my side." Right. And he doesn't really know what to do with that, so they kind of just leave it there. But I just I appreciate. I don't love the phrase and the ideals behind the the term radical honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something very refreshing to just say what you mean. Right. Right. Especially if it's complimentary. Mm-hmm. Like give people compliments. It's fine. 
it's free and it makes right. everybody feel better. Like, yeah. like, I don't, why? The free part is the best part of it all. It's like it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, we do see a pretty heinous scene where Howard, the attorney, and Glory are having dinner and she knows that she shouldn't be there. Like, mm-hmm. she knows that people are looking about at her and talking about, at, about her. Ralph and his wife are there in a separate table against mm-hmm. the wall just by happenstance, I guess this is the nice restaurant in the town or whatever. And then somebody says something like, you've got a lot of nerve showing your face here or something Mm -hmm. like that. And Howard's like, she, 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 Howard says to her, you know, you're allowed to live your life. And Howard's like, you need to back off. And the guy gets up and starts getting physical at which point Ralph comes in because he's not, first of all, he's looking for a fight. He's he's not back at work yet anyways. So he's got some pent up shit. Um, and he's like, you're going to walk out of here, you're not going to look back, or we're going to make this very unpleasant for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I like the fact that the lawyer was really doing something noble, however, was not quite, he's a lawyer. He's, yeah. And yes. as we know about Ralph, he beats the hell out of people in bars when he's mad, so... It legit, either, that's true. Yeah, which you remember, because we saw the scene of him just knocking two guys around, so... Either, that was what. That was right after his right. son had died. Yes, so and he was drinking heavily. Reputation. Why he doesn't right. drink? I think yeah. drinking makes him uncomfortable. I think he's probably as on the wagon as he yes. can be, without but actually being on the wagon. Yeah, I appreciated that because it it really it showed you right there the lawyer being a really decent guy. However, not you know he tries to to be noble. It doesn't quite work out in his favor, but. Ralph is there, and he's beginning to see sort of what what he sowed when he made that very public arrest. Yeah. So I think that yeah. there's an element there too of yes, he did. He right. he brought this down. Yes. And now is unsure about whether that was the, the right thing well, to yeah. do. Right. Um, so because he's, he's still in the, he's still in the agnostic phase. Mm-hmm. He's like I don't. I believe that he did it because I have evidence that he did it, but I also have evidence that he didn't do it, so I also believe that he didn't do it. So I am Schrodinger's detective. Really? I like um and uh and earlier we had seen a scene where Glory had to take the kids out of school because of the bullying that they were undergoing. Yeah. So wouldn't it, it it would be better for them to leave, not for the bullies and to we're, be. We're treated to a, a lot of scenes, and I appreciate this of Glory's inability to incorporate herself back into real life. Whether, yeah. as we saw last uh, week, uh, the blogger journalist who's trying to insinuate herself. That's right. Home. So so after the kids get kicked out of right. school. She is looking for basically a a a in in home teacher, right? And um, yeah, the she's interviewing a woman who has a bunch of she her school reference the the place burned down or whatever closed, yeah. so she didn't have those records. She just had recommendations from families from three different places. That were all postmarked in Atlanta. And so Gloria is onto this woman, which, if you were onto this woman, why'd you let her into your house? I but think she was hoping for a different answer than what she eventually got. Maybe. And then she just wrote down a basic fraction right. um, equation and asked her to solve it, and she couldn't do it. 
And then this woman is like, I can help you tell your story. Like it's, it, I, I think she was probably a writer. She was probably mm. a journalist right. who just wanted a book, like wanted a book deal. And she's like, you're not the first person to do this. You, I'm, sh- I'm sure you won't be the last, but fuck you, get out of my house. Right. Like, um, and, and, uh, yeah. And she, what, what she's going to do. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how yeah. you, I don't know how you get up yeah, and go I, But I'm getting a really good sense of, one of the things this program is doing really well is it it's taking a what we now know to be a fantastic situation and rooting it very strongly in reality. Yeah. So that it's not just this thing happens and it affects all these people in this very limited way. It's it affects them in their attempts to carry on with their life. Yes. It affects them yes, and their so, place in the community. So that's that's sort of where we come back to Holly and Maria. Mm-hmm. So Maria is in Rikers Island. She says that she's innocent. Mm-hmm. Holly asks her and shows her pictures of Heath and asks her if he met, if she met him. Right. And she says, you know, he hit on me, but he wasn't my type. So I blew him off. She I just never like met that. him. She doesn't like him. Yes, that's right. That's it. I By like not him. my type, I mean right. I'm a lesbian and he's a dude. So, um, so he blew, she blew him off. Mm-hmm. But then we clearly see then the flashbacks. That was them at the diner having mm-hmm. the meal. And then we see them having sex. Right. So something that looks just like her mm-hmm. went to this breakfast and, and then exchanged bodily fluids with this man right. who then became a murderer without becoming a murderer. Right. And we also find out that Merlin, the... The child car thief mm-hmm. uh, who started it with the van in New York um, comes to the pr- the precinct and, and talks to Ralph and says, uh, I was too scared to say anything um, because I saw who took the van, but I was afraid they would kill me. And he draws a picture of a, like a disfigured man in a hood. Right. Um. And then Holly actually, after talking to Maria, believes her. And so I don't know if, if Maria tells her about it or if her research takes her to finding El Coco. Right. Mysterious fable. He's a boogeyman. It takes whatever it wants. It can turn, take the form of a person, and then is also a grief eater. Mm-hmm. So doesn't just target the child in this case it's it's always a child it seems right. to always be a child but also the child's whole family and the family of the person whose body it took like it's a it's a community de- mm. decimator that's what it wants so what was it that ray bradbury called them the october people and something wicked this way comes the ones that come over and Eat human misery, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So they it deliberately create situations that cause human misery, and then that's their sustenance. Yes. And they live off that for the year and hibernate. It's a very interesting, interesting. concept. Yeah. And uh, so that's what she is seeing. Our our bad our baddie as is mm-hmm. this this shape shifting grief eater and that's an outsider if ever there was one yeah. <laughs> so we are 
two fifths of the way through, mm-hmm. right? Four four tenths is two fifths. That's how fractions work. See, I could be her teacher, her kid's teacher. Probably not. Yeah, that's literally that woman could not pass the sniff test, so to speak. Yeah, I'm just like, how hard was that math equation? It didn't look that hard, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe if you're a, a sneaky journalist, you don't do any math at all. I would maybe, yeah. What was her pitch going to be? Like, how right. far into teaching was she going to get before Not she... Not very far before like, it was discovered that she didn't know what she was doing. But also, yeah, what's her? What's your plan? How is this ingratiating you? Yeah. Like, I just, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand this woman's thought process at all, in the least. I feel like they're starting to answer some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to see how Ralph responds to this, because I... Mm. I think that he's going to believe Holly, and I think that's going to cause him to really have even more problems with his very black and white worldview that is quickly turning gray. Um, Next episode's called the, not the, just Tear Drinker, which is very good. And then number six, episode six, is called The One About the Yiddish Vampire. (laughs) Okay. So it's an episode of Friends. I guess so. All right. <laughs> um, so that's what we're going to watch for next week. Uh, we. Tear Drinker is probably going to be a little rough. Um, I'm guessing. Maybe yes. there'll be a little but bit of levity warning, in the following one. I, the warning I, is marked clearly on the package. It is. That is, yes, that is true. So uh, until then. Uh, do you have anything you would like to recommend? Well, I tell you what, um, I spent most of the, the weekend, um, the evenings anyhow, when I wasn't watching Godzilla, uh, watching horror movies with Ooh. her roommate. Um, and I saw one film that frankly qualified as horror, even though it's not a horror film at all, which was um, I Care A Lot. Oh, you did watch it. Uh, I was... I, I cannot recommend... That movie is filled with some of the most repulsive people. Uh, that is why That's, I have not yeah. watched it. I'm like, I think I'm going to hate everybody in oh, this. Oh, yes. About five and minutes so in the I film, I wanted to strangle it. everyone in this film. Um, so I can't recommend that. Okay, well, what are we talking I am about recommending Are you movie. recommending you don't watch I recommend you don't watch that, okay. unless that's the kind of thing that you like. Um, if but, you like Michael Hanukkah. Right. Yeah, it was just, uh, I, I couldn't root for anybody. That was my film. thing. I was like, I don't, I don't think that's for me. I hope they succeed. No, I don't. I don't hope anyone in this that, film succeeds. Yes. I hope right. they all get set on fire by God. But I did see a film called Nocturne, which I wasn't expecting much from. It was on, it's currently on Amazon Prime. And it's, a very odd film about a young woman who is at like um, an art school and she's there with her sister and her sister's a prodigy and a very careless prodigy who aware of her talent just does whatever comes to her very easily um it's a blumhouse movie yeah and so this sister that we follow the uh, main character finds a a leftover kind of uh, journal left by, and it's not quite a journal, it's a music journal, left over by a student who had been at the school previously had committed suicide. That's Uh-oh. giving nothing away. That's the opening scene. Okay. And it seems to be a series of incantations on how to improve your talent. 
Uh-oh, somebody sold their soul to right, a demon, so probably. You, you were making a joke halfway through that this is, you know, a cross between Black Swan and the Half-Blood Prince. You know, he finds a book, it gives him directions, leads him the wrong way. But it actually was really well done. And and uh, the actress, I guess Sydney Sweeney is her name, who plays the lead character, is very good. Here's a here's an interesting thing. I uh-huh. just uh, Rotten Tomatoes did, and somebody wrote more of a B movie version of Black Swan, uh-huh. or the slightly better Perfection on Netflix, which right. we saw, which we saw. I actually liked. and you enjoyed. Enjoyed. So, <laughs> That's always. I hard. mean, enjoy is right. is a tricky word when it comes to some heinous shit. Right. I mean, there is heinous <laughs> shit that that movie is defined by some really heinous stuff. Oh, you, that was it? No, no, I thought yeah, I interrupted you when you said no, something. No, no, just oh. that. I just thought it was funny that yeah. you had just mentioned Black Swan, and I was like, but yeah, that's well, the apparently film, what people are. It's, it's very much like that, or um, the drumming movie, which I just uh, escapes me right now. Whiplash? Yeah. Oh, okay. In that it's about... It's not a horror movie, that's why I was Which like, is almost right. a horror movie. <laughs> it is almost a horror movie. You're a person movie. being abused for quite a long time for in that sure. film. But it goes to that point about how much of what it takes to achieve and to be a talent. Because at one point, one of the characters speaks to this young pianist who has these ambitions for the rest of her life, saying, I'm going to be a concert pianist, I'm going to be famous. And he brings her down by telling her that the great musicians were playing in concert halls when they were half her age. Right. And so you're not going to accomplish anything. You're too old, even though she's, what, 18 or 19 in this right, film. Right, right. Um, Which is not right, but true, the, but the, I guess the, it's a way to burst someone's bubble, sure. The constant kind of downplaying of, well, your sister has talent, but you can be a great chamber musician. Um, and, but, and that's, and I won't go any further into who's telling her that, but the sort of notion that you're going to be browbeaten because of the patterns set by people who were savants in the right. Um And then how she handles that. And it could all very well be something supernatural. It might not be. And I love the fact that you're able to determine that for yourself when you're watching the film. Interesting. But okay. it's a very, it's a really good film with a lot of good performances. I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad. So Nocturne on Amazon Prime. Right. Um, what about you? Uh, I don't... I don't know. I didn't... Would you like to recommend another season of Ink Master? No. Okay. I'll stop recommending Ink Master. So mean to me. I wasn't mean. I just <laughs> thought maybe... I just... I really haven't been watching mm-hmm. much. I was... But you're also on vacation. Driving. And, you're, your and playing board games. With... Yeah. I, we don't yeah. even turn on... The, the television does not go on. Wow. So... It's literally just us talking or playing a game. Uh-huh. Or wow. sleeping. I need sleep sometimes. I think you need sleep now. Probably right now, right actually. Now. Uh, so, yeah, so I haven't watched anything. I'm excited to watch some things. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. It's okay. Don't. You're so acting like there's pressure on you right now. It's okay. I know. I feel, ba- I feel bad when I don't have something to recommend, but like. Uh-huh. I've just been listening to the podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed, where we talked mm-hmm. about it last week. So, right. 
I just don't want to be redundant. No, it's okay. I recommend watching The Outsider with us. We're going to watch the it next is, two episodes next week. I'm really between this one. And the thing is, we've been doing Stephen King for what, more than a year now, right? Yep. And um, we are coming up on two years. Really? We've done, this wow. will be, I believe, in fact, this might be our two-year anniversary because this is our 104th, I believe this is our 104th Stephen King episode. Yeah, I think that... So that's two years. It's been... Hit, I mean, and, and the issue was with Stephen King, we started very strong. We started with... Yeah, you Brian start Palma, with... De Palma, yeah. George Romero... Um, <laughs> Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. And we're doing this stuff, and then it just... There were highs and lows. There were dips. There were dips. Um, I have enjoyed almost everything, and I'm very glad that I've watched everything. That's that's cool to me. Like, I, I feel like, look what I did. I think The Mangler was one that I had trouble with. Like, I could... I for I had no idea what that film was about by the end of it. I think the one film that I've really... Uh, I had I still have fun with it, even though it's a really just dumb film. A uh, graveyard shift. Yeah. Um, with the rats, because obviously yeah. a lot of work and attention went into this for a movie that makes utterly no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think lately between the second season of Castle Rock, particularly, and this, I'm really enjoying where we are at in the filmography. These are really quality productions that sort of capture, and they capture Stephen King's expansiveness. Yes. Where there's quite a lot of characters, and they're all being juggled at the same time. Yeah. Where he's basically doing this Dickensian thing of having a bunch of characters interact, and you have moments like, for instance, with a lawyer on this episode, um, standing up and trying to be heroic. He doesn't quite succeed, but you're proud of him for standing up and doing something. Like, he has it in him to be that brave. And yeah. I'm sure that will have an effect later on on how we see him. Um, and having a really good dyed-in-the-wool vil- villain. People underestimate how important the villain is in any kind of adventure or thriller writing. Um, yeah, yeah, so... It's pretty important in pretty much every writing, hey, Marvel. Well, this is, is where you drop your ball. There was a point, <sighs> Ian Fleming... Um, who wrote? Who created James Bond? Not just wrote, created James Bond. He um, he was having a conversation with his nephew Christopher Lee. Oh, hey now! And um, he said the important part because they were offered they were offering every English actor in the early fifties one of the versions of James Bond or the sixties, and they mentioned Christopher Lee, and he's like, "What do you think?" And he says, "Oh, never. The important part in a Bond story is not the hero; it's the villain." Which is even funnier because more than a decade later, Christopher Lee played the villain, the man with the golden gun, yes. right? And he's very famous for that because he understood the villain is the guy who runs away with the book because James Bond will always be James Bond. Right. There's going to be somebody who does something fantastic and strange and has a weird plot and has a henchman. And yeah. Yeah. It's like the name of a Goldfinger is that's the villain oh, of the story. Goldfinger. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but anyhow, so I like this because... I it, for five hours today. <laughs> right. It has a strong villain and an even stronger villain that we can't see who's just reprehensible on every level. So yeah, really enjoying this. Nice. All right. So next week, two more episodes. Mm-hmm. Until then, uh, you can find us, follow us, uh, 
on Twitter at latecomerspod. We're mm-hmm. at Gmail, uh, latecomerspod at gmail.com. That's that's an email address, everybody. We're also on Facebook. And I remind you, take your medicine. Don't be like me. Take your medicine. And we remind you, better, better late, late than, than never. never.